All right, praises be to our loving Father that we are able to study his words and his commandments. We are truly, truly pleased to have you join us in this episode of the BQA, Bible Questions and Answers. Now, question we're going to be answering is just one question. And for many, it might be a strange question because the question goes something like this. Who is the third Elijah? Now, before I go ahead and proceed to answer this question, just a kind of background note concerning this a particular topic, uh, we were asked the following question from one of our viewers, and this is what it says, uh, blank, I'm not going to mention this person's account, said several times indirectly, though, that you, that's me, claim to be the last or third Elijah. Is this true? If it is true, can you discuss or explain further such claim? If it's not true, can you deny officially her and others' claim? And so there is the, I guess a rumor going around that I am claiming and I am teaching that I am the third Elijah or the last Elijah. And so the viewer wants to know if this is true, if we are indeed, or if I am indeed claiming that I am the third Elijah. And so she basically wants us to confirm or deny officially whether or not I am the third Elijah. So Officially, this is what we're going to proclaim today in this episode of the BQA. And so I'm going to say, I am not the third Elijah. Hopefully, this is official enough. I am not the last Elijah, and I am not Elijah at all. Okay, so just to be official, I am not the third Elijah, the last Elijah, or Elijah. Which brings us really to the topic of our discussion. It's not about me but about who the last Elijah is. So who is the last Elijah? Now, where does this question come from? What's the basis for even asking such a question? Well, it turns out the book of Malachi, chapter 4, 5 to 6, this is what it says. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of Yahuwah. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So what we read here is a prophecy in the book of Malachi. Take note, Elijah eventually ascended to heaven, right? Which came first, the ascension of Elijah to heaven or the writing of the book of Malachi? The ascension of Elijah to heaven. So many years after Elijah ascended to heaven, Malachi writes this prophecy, and it states that Yahuwah is going to do something remarkable, something powerful, something great. He will send Elijah the prophet. When will he do so? Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of Yahuwah. We already talked about the great and dreadful day of Yahuwah. This basically marks the end of the age that will be initiated by the return of our king, Yahusha HaMashiach. The day of Yahuwah is a thousand years in span, as we discuss in Peter chapter 3. And so the day of Yahuwah is the mark of the end of the world. And so Elijah, the prophet, will be sent by Yahuwah prior to the coming of the end. So we need to know, well, who is this Elijah that will come right before the end of the world comes. Well, for us to answer that question, we need to first know who the prophet Elijah is. Who is the Tishbite? Who is he? Because we're going to 
determine who the fulfillment of the last or third Elijah will be. And to do so, we need to look into the prophet himself. And so I'm going to show you a chart. This chart, this chart was created by CraigTowns.com. It's a very helpful chart. We know that during the divided kingdom, there were two kingdoms, Judah and Yasharal, right? Yehuda, Yasharal. And so for each of these two kingdoms, which stood side by side, they each had their own king. This is why in this chart, you notice the kings that stood side by side during the reigns of the kingdom, Yahuda and Yashara. And so in this chart, Yahuwah would send prophets to guide, to give messages from Yahuwah to the kings, because the kings were the ones who administer the people of Allahim. So this is why there's a section there on prophets. We are interested in the prophet Elijah, Eliyahu. We notice Eliyahu served during the time of Omri and specifically Ahab. And so we're going to look at the spirit of Eliyahu, what his purpose was so that we can, with the best of our ability, kind of discern what work will be done prior to the end of day? So let's go to the book of Kings 16, 25, 26. Omri did evil in the eyes of Yahuwah and did worse than all who were before him. For he walked in all the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and in his sin, by which he had made Israel sin, provoking Yahuwah, God of Israel, to anger with their idols. Take note, the prophet uh, Elijah was sent primarily to Israel, right? To Yasharal, not to Yehuda. And so he was informed, he was the, the, the messenger, the prophet sent by Yahuwah to basically guide and to do things that will bring the people of Yahuwah in alignment with his will. And so he was specifically given the task of doing that for the kingdom of Yasharal. During the days of Eliyahu, Elijah, the king was Omri. Omri brought the people of Israel to apostasy. And so the work of apostasy continued with Omri, which began with Jeroboam. Remember the story of Jeroboam? He was the first king of Yasharal. And so the apostasy continues. It gets worse. And just when you think it could not get any worse, guess what happens? Omri has a son, and his son becomes the next king of Yasharal. And who is that? First King 16, 30, 33. But Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in Yahuwah's sight even more than any of the kings before him. And as though it were not enough to follow the example of Jeroboam, he married Jezebel, the daughter of King Ethbaal of the Sidonians. And he began to bow down in worship of Baal. First, Ahab built a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. Then he set up an Asherah pole. He did more to provoke the anger of Yahuwah, the god of Yisharal, than any of the other kings of Yasharal before him. And so during the days of Elijah, the prophet, when he was ministering to the people of Yasharal, what was their condition? They were in a deep state of apostasy. They were against the will of Yahuwah, especially during the days of Ahab, because during the days of Ahab, what did the people do? 
they worship pagan gods, primarily one by the name of Baal. And so Ahab, he created and built idols and even temple and altar for Baal in Samaria. Not only that, he married a very wicked woman. Her name was Jezebel. And he also set up on a sheriff. And so all that he did as king of Yasharal was to provoke the anger of Yahuwah. So not only were the people of Yasharal during the days of the prophet Elijah the Tishbite, not, on, not only were they in a state of deep apostasy, what also was their condition? First Kings 18, 3 down to 4. So Ahab summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Obadiah was a devoted follower of Yahuwah. Once when Jezebel had tried to kill all Yahuwah's prophets, Obadiah had hidden 100 of them in two caves. He put 50 prophets in each cave and supplied them with food and water. So not only were, were the people of Yasharal in a state of apostasy, Bible tells us they were also being oppressed. How so? Well, they basically oppressed the people from speaking and making their desires known because if they were to express and say to the king and to the queen, I do not want to worship Baal, I am loyal to Yahuwah, what would happen to them? They would be put to death. This is why Jezebel took it upon herself to put even the prophets to death. Bible says Jezebel tried to kill Yahuwah's prophets. It's a good thing the chapel caretaker, did I say chapel caretaker? The palace caretaker was there and he was able to hide about a hundred prophets to protect them from Jezebel. And so what we find during the days of Elijah the Tishbite, Yasharal was in apostasy. The prophets were persecuted and killed and the people were oppressed. And so while this was happening, what did Elijah the prophet want to do? What was his purpose? What was his aim? 13 and 15, haven't you heard that when Jezebel was killing the prophets of Yahuwah, I hid a hundred of them in caves in two groups of 50 and supplied them with food and water. So here's Obadiah. He bumps into Elijah and has a conversation with him. And Elijah says, so how can you order me to go and tell the king that you were here? He will kill me. Elijah answered Obadiah, by the living Yahuwah Almighty, whom I serve, I promise that I will present myself to the king today. And so Yahuwah, I mean, Elijah approaches Obadiah and requests an audience with the king, because after all, he was the palace caretaker. But Obadiah was afraid because it might be the case that when he will say, Elijah wants to speak with you, and then when the time comes, when it's time for him to speak to him, he just runs away and disappears. It would mean his death. And so Elijah says, no, 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 I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to speak to that king. And so eventually Elijah does get to speak with the king. What does he say? What happens in the conversation? So Obadiah went to King Ahab and told him, and Ahab sent off to meet Elijah. So they confront King Ahab and the prophet Elijah. When Ahab saw him, he said, so there you are, the worst troublemaker in Yisharaf. I am not the troublemaker, Elijah answered. You are. You and your father. 
you are disobeying Yahuwah's commands and worshiping the idols of Baal. And so in this confrontation between Yahuwah's prophet Eliyahu, Elijah, and Ahab, both were blaming each other for being the troublemaker of Yisharah. Of course, who's the one speaking the truth? The one sent by Yahuwah. And according to Elijah, Eliyahu the prophet, what was the cause for the demise, the downfall, the apostasy of the people of Yisharah? Two things. Bible says because they disobeyed Yahuwah's commandments and they worship idols of Baal. In other words, Yisharah's apostasy involved disobeying the Ten Commandments and idolatry, primarily the worship of Baal as their Allahim. Sometimes, you know, things never change. I mean, even today, right? Patterns of scripture kind of repeat themselves. Even today, what is the major apostasy of people who claim to be of God? Well, they reject the Ten Commandments. There are even some religious groups who replace the Ten Commandments. They say it's obsolete. We don't need the Ten Commandments anymore. And also idolatry, the worship of Baal as their God. Do you know what Baal means? It means, if you look it up in the Hebrew dictionary, it means Lord. And so we have that today too, right? I mean, people today, what do they say is the name of their God? They say it's L-O-R-D in all caps. But Lord actually represents what? Baal. And so what Yahuwah mentioned, said long ago through the prophets that people will forget his name for Baal, Lord, is being fulfilled even during our time. And so during our days, there are people who profess that they belong to Allahim, that they belong to God, but they reject the Ten Laws. And they also commit idolatry because they recognize not Yahuwah as their God, but Baal. And so there is this apostasy during the days of Yeshurah. And so what does Eliyahu do so that he can restore and bring back the people of Yeshurah to Yahuwah? Let's read the book of Kings 18, 19 and 20. Now order all the people of Yeshurah to meet me at Mount Carmel, because the king is the one who gives orders and people follow, right? Because after all, he's the king. Eliyahu tells the king, call all the people of Yeshurah and we're going to go to Mount Carmel. Bring along the 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of the goddess Sherah, who were supported by Queen Jezebel. That's a total of how many prophets? 450, 400, 850. So Ahab summoned all the Israelites and the prophets of Baal to meet at Mount Carmel. So here's Eliyahu to settle the matter, to determine who's speaking the truth and who is with the true Allahim. He proposes a challenge. All will go to Mount Carmel, and there's going to be a contest. What was it about? What did Eliyahu want from the people of Yisrael? Which is why he wanted them summoned to, and go to Mount Carmel. First Kings 18, 21 and 22. Eliyahu went up to the people and said, how much longer will it take you to make up your minds? If Yahuwah is God, worship him. But if Baal is God, worship him. But the people didn't say a word. 
Then Elijah said, I am the only prophet of Yahuwah still left, but there are 450 prophets of Baal. So what was the point of this showdown, of this confrontation between the prophets of Baal, the prophets of Asherah, and the prophet of Yahuwah? It is to determine who the true Allahim is. Is it Yahuwah or is it Baal? And so the showdown commences. What does uh, Elijah recommend? What does he suggest? What does he instruct them to do? Let's read 23 to 24. Bring two bulls. Let the prophets of Baal take one, kill it, cut it in pieces, and put it in the wood. But don't light the fire. I will do the same with the other bulls. There are two bulls. The, both camps are going to kill the bull, right? But they're not going to light the fire. I will do the same with the other bull. Then let the prophets of Baal pray to their God. And I will pray to Yahuwah. And the one who answers by sending fire. He is Allahim. The people shouted their approval. And so this was an opportunity for the people of Yisrael to see. Because they were wavering. They were dissuaded from worshiping the true Allahim because of their leader. Because of their leader who told them what to believe and what to do. They could not really discern the truth. And so an opportunity came. So that the people of Yisrael will see with their own eyes who the true Allahim is. This was indeed a moment for Eliyahu. This was his opportunity to bring back the people of Yahuwah to himself. And so the prophets of Baal, uh, they were the ones who cut up the bull first. What happened? Let's read. They took the bull that was brought to them, prepared it, and prayed to Baal until noon. They shouted, answer us, Baal, and kept dancing around the altar they had built. But no answer came. At noon, Elijah started making fun of them. Pray louder. He is a god. Maybe he is a daydream. He is daydreaming or relieving himself. Or perhaps he's gone off on a trip. Or maybe he's sleeping. And you've got to wake him up. So the prophets prayed louder and cut themselves with knives and daggers according to their ritual until blood flowed. They kept on ranting and raving until the middle of the afternoon, but no answer came. Not a sound was heard. Utter failure for the prophets of Baal. They set up the sacrifice. They prayed. They danced. They even cut themselves. But there was no answer from Baal, supposedly the true Allahim. And so what did Elijah say to the people? Let's read 30 to 32. You know, Elijah said to the people, come closer to me. And they all gathered around him. He said about repairing the altar of Yahuwah, which had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one for each of the 12 tribes named for the sons of Jacob, the man to whom Yahuwah had given the name Yeshurah. With these stones, he rebuilt the altar for the worship of Yahuwah. He dug a trench around it, large enough to hold about four gallons of water. And so what did um, Elijah do so that he can demonstrate to the people of Yisrael that Yahuwah indeed is God. He prepared the altar by repairing it because it was, it, it was, uh, uh, it was ruined uh, by the people of, by the prophets of Baal was defamed, right? And so he, he repaired it, he restored it, and then He's going to set up the sacrifice in 33 to 35. Then he placed the wood on the altar. 
cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. He said, fill up four jars with water and pour it on the offering and the wood. They did so and he said, do it again. And they did do it once more. He said, and they did. The water ran down around the altar and filled the trench. At the hour of the afternoon sacrifice, the prophet Elijah approached the altar and prayed. And this is the prayer. Oh, Yahuwah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove now that you are the Allahim of Yisrael, and that I am your servant, and have done all this at your command. Answer me, Yahuwah, answer me, so that this people will know that you, Yahuwah, are Allahim, and that you are bringing them back to yourself. And so after the sacrifice was prepared, they're just waiting for the answer from heaven because the fire supposedly would come from heaven to engulf the sacrifice, right? And so here's Elijah praying. And in the prayer, what is revealed is the purpose of the work of Eliyahu, of Elijah. What is the purpose of his work? It is to bring back the people of Yahuwah to himself. This is the work of repentance and restoration. So Elijah's work, keep this in mind, was the work of restoration through repentance to bring back Yisrael to Yahuwah Elohim. So it begins with repentance. After repentance, they need to return to Yahuwah. Why do they need to return to Yahuwah? Because they were in apostasy. They rejected the Ten Commandments and they worshiped Baal instead of Yahuwah. And so what happened after Elijah prays to Elohim in uh, Kings 18, 38, 39? Yahuwah sent fire down and it burned up the sacrifice, the wood and the stones, scorched the earth and dried up the water in the trench. When the people saw this, they threw themselves on the ground, right? They repented, right? And then they said, exclaimed, Yahuwah is God. Yahuwah alone is God. And so this was the capstone of the work of Elijah the prophet, because the people, Yeshurah, who turned away from Yahuwah, right, they eventually returned to Yahuwah because of a demonstration of the power of Yahuwah led by the prophet Elijah. And so prophet Elijah proclaimed Yahuwah as the only true God with power. And in so doing, he caused the people to return to Yahuwah and also exclaim Yahuwah is Elohim. Yahuwah alone is Elohim. So Elijah proclaimed with power that Yahuwah and not Baal is the only Elohim to be worshipped and Yahuwah's Ten Commandments must be obeyed. This was the next phase of the restoration for Yeshurah. Unfortunately, when we study the, the history of Yeshurah, they were not actually able to do that, right? It was only a victory that was temporary because Yeshurah eventually would be destroyed by their idolatry to the point they had to be besieged by Assyria and taken into captivity. So that's the story and ministry of Eliyahu, of Elijah. And so when we go to the book of Malachi for five to six, it mentions, I will send you the Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of Yahuwah. And so there's going to be 
the sending forth again of the prophet Eliyahu or Elijah as foretold by the prophet Malachi. Take note, Malachi was the last book of the Old Testament. And after the prophecy revealed by Malachi, there was a 400-year period of prophetic silence. No new word came from Yahuwah, from heaven, until that silence is finally broken, right? And so we're going to look at Malachi 4, 5 to 6, because we want to know, well, how is his prophecy going to be fulfilled? Now, when the Bible says, I will send you Elijah, does it mean he's going to send the actual, physical, literal Elijah? Is that what it means? It could mean that. We don't know. Right. But I believe it means something else. When the prophet Malachi says, I'm going to send to you Elijah. I don't believe it's the actual physical, literal Elijah. But what Elijah is it referring to? Let's read the book of Luke 1, 16 and 17. Many of the people of Yeshurah will will he bring back to Yahuwah there God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so in the book of Luke, there is a reference here to a person. This person, the Bible says in the book of Luke, he will cause many people of Israel to be brought back to Yahuwah there, God. This is the spirit and power of Elijah. And so when Malachi says that he will cause, or when he will send Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and vice versa, here in the book of Luke, it is applied to a person, but it wasn't Elijah himself, right? But a person who will have the spirit and power of Elijah. What does it mean that he will have the spirit of Elijah? It means the work that he will do is in alignment with the work of the prophet Elijah. This is why it's good that we understand the work of the prophet Elijah during the days of the kings because it's in alignment with that. And it's basically what this person is going to do. So this person will be empowered by the spirit and power of Elijah is a fulfillment of some of the prophecies in Malachi. Well, who is this person? Do you know who, they, who, who this is? Who is this person prophesied in the book of Luke? Because this message here is a message from an angel. An angel of Yahuwah is the one declaring what this person is going to do. Who is that person? Let's go to Luke 11 to 15. Then an angel of Yahuwah appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of Yahuwah. He is never to take wine or other for men to drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. And so who became the fulfillment of this messenger who will come in the spirit and power of Elijah? John the Baptist. So according 
to the angel of Yahuwah, John the Baptist will have the power of Elijah because he'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that empowered the prophet Elijah. But he will also work in the same, in the same way or in the same spirit of Elijah. And so what will John the Baptist do according to the angel? There are two things he's going to do. One of the things is to prepare for the Lord. He's going to prepare for the Lord and prepare the Lord who is to come so that people will be able to return to Yahuwah their God. Now, who could that be? I mean, what does that mean? Who is this Lord? Malachi 3 verse 1. Another prophecy in Malachi, right? Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. When it says the way, who is that? Yahusha, right? He is the way to Allahim. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. So there's his Lord who is like a master that is being prepared by this messenger, right? And he even the mess, uh, and then he will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says Yahuwah of hosts. And so there's going to be this messenger who is preparing this other greater messenger because he is to be called master or Lord, and he's the messenger of the covenant. And this will be done according to Yahuwah of hosts and fulfilled in the prophecy that was fulfilled in whom? Well, when we look at this prophecy from Malachi, our King Yahusha actually quoted this prophecy and told us who the fulfillment was, who was the fulfillment of Malachi 3.1, according to Yahusha himself, Matthew 11. And they departed, Yahusha began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. And so here's our king Yahusha. He quotes Malachi chapter 3 and says the one referred to there was fulfilled in who? John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist's ministry, part of it, right, is to prepare Yahusha's ministry so that people can have access and return to Yahuwah Elohim. That was in Malachi. There's another prophecy about this work in Isaiah 40. So we have Malachi, and now we have the prophet Isaiah. Here's what Isaiah says. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of Yahuwah. Make straight in the desert a highway for our Elohim. So here's another prophecy about the way, the highway to Elohim. Who is that? Yahusha. And there is one who is to prepare that way, to prepare Yahusha. Who is that? The one whose voice is the one crying in the wilderness. And who became the fulfillment of that prophecy? Let's read the book of John, 1, 22, 23. Then they said to him, who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. Uh, what do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of Yahuwah as the prophet Isaiah said. So when John the Baptist was being interrogated 
because he was preaching righteousness, right? And he was attracting a lot of uh, enemies, primarily the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees. Pharisees did not like him because of what he was preaching. Remember, John the Baptist came at a time when Yeshurah was in a state of apostasy because of the, the leaven that they brought with them from Babylon. And so here's John the Baptist. He wants to bring the people back to Yahuwah through repentance, but they did not like the preaching of this voice crying in the wilderness. And so when he was interrogated and asked, well, who are you? What does John the Baptist say? Well, he says, I am the voice, one of the one crying in the wilderness. Thus prophecy that Isaiah proclaimed in Isaiah chapter 40, verse Three. And so we can see here from the two prophecies, Malachi 3.1, Isaiah chapter 40 in the verse, verse 3, that John the Baptist performed his ministry and the, a major part of his ministry is to prepare the work of Yahusha. How did he do this? How did he fulfill these prophecies about preparing the way, about preparing Yahusha? Matthew Chapter 3, 1 to 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who, had, who was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepared the way for Yahuwah, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist preached repentance. John the Baptist preached that the kingdom of heaven is near. Remember, this kingdom is for the people of Yeshurah. The restoration of Yasharah, which is what uh, the, the, uh, the real prophet Elijah was trying to do, to restore the people of Israel from apostasy. And so here's John the Baptist. He's preaching repentance, and he's preaching that the kingdom of heaven is near. It is at hand. So he preached repentance. What also did he preach? How did he prepare the way? How did he prepare Yahushua? Let's read Matthew 3, 11 to 15, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Then Yahusha came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Why do you come to me? Yahusha replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And so what was part of the ministry of Yahusha, of, of John the Baptist, which was to prepare who? Yahusha, so that people can have a straight line, a highway straight to Yahuwahaba. One of the things that he needed to do was to baptize our king, Yahusha. What was the purpose of this baptism? Yahusha says, to fulfill all righteousness. What does that mean? Does it mean Yahusha committed sin? That's why he needs to be cleansed? No. Yahusha says, I need to be baptized by you to fulfill all righteousness. What is he talking about? The righteousness of Yahuwah for the forgiveness of sins. This is what Apostle Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Yahushua was made to be sin for us. Because remember, 
we are to be baptized to be part of the body of Yahusha. The purpose and meaning of baptism is to be identified with who? Yahusha. And so when we're baptized, when we're immersed into the water, we identify with Yahusha. But how can we identify with Yahusha if he was not baptized? You see, Yahusha was baptized to meet us in the water, to satisfy righteousness. This is why he said he needs to be baptized so that righteousness will be fulfilled. Yahusha, when he was baptized, it was the way for him to be identified with us. You see, when we are baptized, we identify with him. When he was baptized, he identified with us so that our sins can become his and he can pay for our sins through baptism. This is why the ministry of John the Baptist was to prepare Yahusha so that people can have a highway to return to Yahuwah, a way back to Yahuwah. And so John the Baptist fulfilled that part of the ministry. So after Yahusha was baptized, what happened? 21 to 23, one day when the crowds were being baptized, Yahusha himself was baptized as he was praying. Uh, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Yahusha was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. And so Yahuwah gave a testimony about Yahusha through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right, the dove descended upon him, and then the, a voice was heard declaring, Yahushua is the son of Elohim. And so, in this way, John the Baptist fulfilled this part of his ministry to prepare for the way of Yahuwah, which is Yahusha HaMashiach. But there's another part of prophecy that says this, right? In the green, many people, people of Israel, will bring back to Yahuwah. Their Elohim, through the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. If you still remember, when you look at the verbiage, right? Because the Bible says the spirit and power of Elijah. This is obviously referring to the prophecy in Malachi chapter four, because of the wording to turn their hearts, to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and vice versa. And so this is in in re reference to Malachi. Four, five to six. And so it's telling us that John the Baptist's ministry is related also with Malachi 4, 5 down to 6. Now, when this is why when John the Baptist was preaching and he baptized, many people were saying, Are you the Elijah? If he was asked, Are you Elijah? What did he say when he was asked if he was Elijah? John 1 19. Now, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jer Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? Because they're expecting Elijah is going to come first before the kingdom comes, right? And so because of the prophecy of Malachi. And so they were expecting Elijah. And so they're asking John, are you Elijah? And he says, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight, straight the way of Yahuwah, as the prophet Isaiah said. And so here John the Baptist, he was being questioned. Who are you? 
John the Baptist says, I'm not Elijah, but I'm the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. So he's saying to everyone, right, that he was the fulfillment of Isaiah 43. But for some reason, John the Baptist says, I'm not Malachi 4 to 5, Malachi 4, 5 to 6, Elijah. I am not Elijah. Well, wait a minute. Is Elijah wrong? Is he right? Is he really Elijah? What's up with this? <laughs> Who's telling the truth? Well, Yahusha goes on and adds to this comment because in Matthew 11, 11 and 15, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater, greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so according to Yahushua, Elijah, I mean, John the Baptist, is the Elijah who is to come according to Malachi 4, 5, 2, 6, but with a condition. What is that condition? If you are to receive it, receive what? The kingdom. Because he preached the kingdom. What is that kingdom? Well, to receive the kingdom, you have to receive the king of that kingdom. <laughs> who is the king of that kingdom? Yahushua. But did they receive the king of the kingdom that was preached by John the Baptist, namely Yahushua? No. Some did, but most, what did they do? What did most do? Instead of accepting Elijah, most rejected Elijah. I mean, most rejected John the Baptist and most rejected Yahushua, right? And so to them, John the Baptist was not Elijah, right? What does it mean? That uh, by when you receive it, then John the Baptist to you was Elijah. Let's read Matthew 17. At this point, John the Baptist was already put to death. Okay, he's already died. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Yahushua answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. What is our King Yahushua quoting? Malachi 4, 5 to 6. But I say to you that Elijah has already come and they did not know him but did to him whatever they wished they put him to death likewise the son of man is also about to suffer at their hands then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of john the baptist and so what does it mean that for those who accept the message of john the baptist to them john the baptist is the elijah it means they will be grafted in through yahusha to be part of yasharah right but for those who reject, well, then the restoration for them has not yet happened. And when we look at the history of John the Baptist and the work of our King Yahushua HaMashiach, what did these people who were supposed to return to Yahuwah through Yahushua, what did they do to John the Baptist and Yahushua? They killed both of them, right? They killed John the Baptist and they killed Yahushua HaMashiach, which tells us what? The restoration of all things, is it complete? Or partially complete. It's only partially complete because during the days of our King Yahusha here on earth, there were people who did return to Yahuwah. There were remnants of Israel who did return to Yahuwah, remnants of Yehuda who did return to Yahuwah through Yahusha, right? But it was not complete restoration. 
It was partial restoration. This is why John the Baptist partially fulfilled the work of restoration described in Malachi 4, 5 to 6. This is why Yahushua says concerning John the Baptist and his ministry, it was conditional. It was conditional. If you accepted it and accepted the king and the kingdom, then for you, you were restored. But most rejected it. This is why Yahuwah is going to give one final chance, right? And if this chance is not taken, Bible says, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And so Yahuwah is giving another chance for people to be restored, to return to Yahuwah through Yahusha. This is why Malachi 4, 5 to 6, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of Yahuwah. So right before the end comes, the end of ends, the, the latter parts of the end of the earth, right before that day comes. Yeah, who is going to send Elijah again right before the dreadful day of Yahuwah? But when this future third Elijah, because the reason why people call him the third Elijah is because the first Elijah was the prophet himself. Second Elijah was John the Baptist who came in the spirit and power of Elijah. The third one is going to be coming right before the end of the world. Is this me? No, this is not me. Well, let's find out who this is. But well, what do we need to understand right before this third Elijah will come? What's going to happen before this third Elijah is going to appear? Remember, this is going to happen right before the, the day of Yahuwah. Well, let's read something here, uh, a clue that is given to us by the Apostle Paul. In Romans 11, 1 down to 5, I asked then, did Elohim reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he appeared to Elohim against Israel? Yahuwah, they have killed your prophets. And torn down your altars. I'm the only one left. And they're trying to kill me. And what was. Yahuwah's answer to him. I have reserved for myself. Seven thousand. Who have not bowed. The knee to Baal. So too at the present time. There is a remnant chosen by. Grace. So here's prophet Elijah. Back during the days of Baal, I mean, the days of uh, Ahab and Jezebel. And he thought he was the only one left who was loyal to Elohim, right? Everyone else bowed a knee to Baal. I'm the only one left. But there's something Elijah did not know. He was not the only one who also was with him in terms of the, possessing the same spirit as the prophet Elijah. The 7,000. Who set apart the 7,000? Yahuwah himself. And so this Elijah, thinking he was by himself, when all the while Yahuwah already set apart 7,000. And Apostle Paul, using that as an example, as a template, as a pattern that's being fulfilled all the time, he says, even today, right? So too at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And so we believe before the appearing of the third Elijah, there's also the appearing, right, 
of a remnant chosen by grace. Do you believe that? This is why everything's kind of like going to have a climax. When this third Elijah will begin his ministry is going to coincide with this remnant who's going to be of the same spirit as the prophet Elijah. So we need to know who is the remnant chosen by grace who will work together with the third Elijah. Well, for us to know, we need to look at the clues that we find in Malachi chapter 4 concerning the third Elijah or the Elijah that will come prior to the day of Yahuwah. So let's look at clues. Right? Malachi 4, 5 to 6, it says, I will send you Elijah. We know that this is, it could possibly be Elijah himself, but we believe, I believe anyways, that it's a person, a messenger who was sent. We don't know who he is. I, I'm telling you, it's not me, but someone's going to come. And this someone's going to come, will come with the power and spirit of Elijah. And what will he do? He will, when will he come in? He will come before the dreadful day of Yahweh comes. So he will come at the latter parts of the ends of the ages. And what will he do? He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to their fathers. This is the restoration of Yasharah, because he will come at a time when there's going to be a need to turn people to Yahuwah. So he will come at a time when apostasy is prevalent. Okay. So those are the clues we have so far. Malachi, the third Elijah, he will come in the spirit and power of Elijah. He will appear immediately prior to the great day of Yahuwah. He will appear during the time of great apostasy. And his work involves restoring Yisharal. So that's what we get from Malachi chapter 4 so far. But we're not finishing. We only read 5 down to 6. We need to read the whole chapter. So good thing this chapter is very short. Let's read Malachi 4 in the verses 1. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will be set, will set them on fire, says Yahuwah Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. So when the day of Yahuwah comes, which is that dreadful day, right? The end of all things. When that comes, the Bible says, for those who are not with Yahuwah, that dreadful day is going to be very dreadful indeed because it will be like a furnace. If it's like a furnace, you're being cooked alive, right? It's not good. In other words, it's a punishment, a severe punishment because you're going to have to face the wrath of Yahuwah on that day, and so you don't want to do that. However, he goes on to say, two down to three, the day of Yahuwah, which is coming, will not be a furnace, but will be something else for this group of people. Why? But for you... Look at that. Who revere my name, the son of righteousness. For those who don't revere the name of Yahuwah, Bible says that they will come upon them like a furnace. But for those who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says Yahuwah Almighty. And so Yahuwah is telling us the day of Yahuwah, which is a furnace for many people, it will be different for those who revere Yahuwah. Those who revere his name, 
for those who revere the name of Yahuwah, what would the day of Yahuwah mean to them? The Bible says they will leap like calves released from the stall. Can you imagine like calves stuck in a small stall? And then the master comes and says, okay, it's time to be free. And they all leap out in great joy. Not only that, because that day will be like the sun of righteousness and they'll begin to heal. Their bodies are going to change. This is like harpazo. Not only harpazo, the Bible says, you will trample down the wicked. In other words, you will rule together with uh, Yahusha. And so this is telling us what's going to happen on the day of Yahuwah for those who revere the name. When will this take place? Before the dreadful day of Yahuwah comes. And who are those who revere the name? The Bible says, in the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit on everyone. And they will speak what God has revealed. In those days, I will pour my spirit on my servants, both men and women. And then take a look at what it says. The sun will become dark. The moon will become as red as blood. Before the terrifying day of Yahuwah comes. Then whoever calls on the name of Yahuwah will be saved. So the Bible is telling us there will be a group of people who will revere the name by calling upon the name of Yahuwah. And because they call upon the name of Yahuwah, when the day of, the, the day of Yahuwah comes, what's going to happen to them? They're going to be saved. So very specific about calling on the name of Yahuwah. And this is actually a prophecy in Joel about the end times. And the latter part of the end times, when the spirit is being poured out, people are going to call upon the name. And there is a group of people, a remnant whom Yahuwah calls. And they will call upon the name of Yahuwah. And they shall be saved. And so we know before, before the prophet, the third Elijah will come and perform his ministry. There's already going to be people with the Holy Spirit who will proclaim the name of Yahuwah and revere his name, right? And if you remember, one of the things that Prophet Elijah did was to proclaim the name of Yahuwah, that Yahuwah is God and he alone is God. And the people who responded to that message, well, they all exclaimed, Yahuwah is God, Yahuwah alone is Allahim. This is why when we look at the clues given to us in the book of Malachi, right? We know that his work not only is to restore Yisrael, but his work involves proclaiming the name Yahuwah, especially when many people proclaim the name to be Lord or Baal. His work involves proclaiming Yahuwah is the only true Allahim. There are many people today who call upon Yahuwah as Allahim, but they also believe in the Trinity. And so when the Bible says Yahuwah alone is God, it means it's Yahuwah alone, not Yahuwah and someone else, but Yahuwah alone is Allahim. And so there are those who are calling upon the name of Yahuwah. And in Malachi, it specifies those who revere the name of Yahuwah. Do you know how you revere the name of Yahuwah? Well, the book of 2 Timothy, nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal, Yahuwah knows those who are his. And everyone who names the name of Yahuwah is to abstain from wickedness. You see, we don't revere the name of Yahuwah, if we just invoke on his name, but we perform all these acts of wickedness. This is why those who truly revere the name of Yahuwah, not only do they invoke the name of Yahuwah, this, which is what is meant by naming the name, right? Those who name the name of Yahuwah, those who invoke the name of Yahuwah, 
So it's an actual verbalization of the name, naming the name of Yahuwah. Okay, so those who verbalize the name, it's not enough. We have to live according to that name. We have to abstain from wickedness and pursue righteousness. They are the ones who truly revere the name of Yahuwah. Well, how can we recognize them? What must also happen? What will also be in line with the spirit of the sending of this third Elijah? Let's go back to Malachi. 446, remember, remember the teachings of my servant, Moses, the laws and commands, which I gave him at Mount Sinai for all the people of Yeshua to obey. But before the great and terrible day of Yahuwah comes, I will send you the prophet Elijah. He will bring fathers and children together again. Otherwise, I would have come, I would have to come and destroy our country. So according to the prophet Malachi, the work of sending Elijah the prophet coincides with the instruction to remember what? The teachings of Moses. What teaching? The laws and commandments given to him on Mount Sinai. Question, what was given to Moses on Mount Sinai? Exodus 31 verse 18. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of Elohim. And so what was given to Moses on Mount Sinai? What was it? Two tablets of stone written with the finger of Elohim. What is written on the two tablets of stone? Can you guess? The Ten Commandments. And so part of revering the name is living according to the Ten Commandments. We cannot say we revere the name unless we also preach and believe and follow the Ten Commandments of Yahuwah Elohim. And this is why we have the last part there is work involves restoring the Ten Commandments. And so this is how the third Elijah is going to appear, is going to be instrumental in the work of restoring Yisrael. Because Yisrael was dispersed. Yisrael was divorced by Yahuwah. And the only way for people to return to Yahuwah from Yisrael is to do what? Now, we have here in Malachi, there's something that's not included in Malachi yet. It's not included in Malachi, but it's part of the work of the third Elijah. What is that? Well, let's go back to Matthew 17. The one speaking here is Yahusha. Remember, the work of the third Elijah is to do the work involved in gathering, in, in, in providing restoration for Yisrael, right? To get this completed, what is essential? What is absolutely essential without which this restoration process will not work? Let's, let's read Matthew 17. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Yahushua answered said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first. And will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already. And they did not know him. But did to him whatever they wished. Likewise the son of man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. So Yahushua was asked. you know, Why do the scribes, namely Malachi, say that Elijah must come first? And Yahushua says, yeah, he is going to. He, he does, he needs to come first. 
And he already came, John the Baptist. What did John the Baptist preach? For restoration to take place, for the kingdom to be active. What did John the Baptist preach? Who did he preach? Yahusha. John the Baptist preached Yahusha, the Messiah. He said, that's not me. But he's here. And because he's here, the kingdom's at hand. But many rejected John the Baptist. Many rejected Yahusha. And so another Elijah is going to come. What will he also preach? What will he preach? Yahusha. Yahusha is the core. He is the key. So that Yisharah can return to Yahuwah. Because without Yahusha, it's impossible for Yisharah to be brought back to Yahuwah because Yahuwah divorced Yisharah. And so the only way is through our king, Yahusha. And so when Yahusha said, so the disciples asked him, why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Do you know why the, the uh, disciples asked this question to Yahusha? We read Matthew 17, 10 to 13, right? Let's go up. Let's go up to see the context. Take a look at this. Matthew 17. Now, after six days, Yahushua took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. And Peter answered and said to Yahushua, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And so in the context of the question, why you describe, say, Elijah must come first, Yahusha takes three of his disciples, who were they? Peter, James, and John, on a mountain. And on the mountain, something happened to Yahusha. He was transfigured. And so his ambiance changed. Physically, he looked different. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. And so him being the son of God was emanating. The power of the spirit coursing through his body. It was being revealed. And while this was happening, the disciples see two additional figures. Moses and Elijah. It's funny that Moses and Elijah, they occur together a lot, don't they? In the New Testament, for example, in Malachi, the prophecy, it mentions Moses and Elijah as part of restoration. Here, Moses and Elijah is again appearing. This time, the center figure is who? Yahusha. Yahusha is the center figure, right? And so what this is telling us is Moses and Elijah saw that the work of restoration for Yisharal, because Yisrael is represented by Moses and Elijah. For the work of restoration for Yisrael to take effect, it needs who? Yahusha. This is why after uh, Peter goes on to say, you know, let's make three tabernacles, one for you, Moses, and one for Elijah. What happened next? Let's read five to nine. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Yahusha came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Yahusha only. Now as they came down from the mountain, Yahusha commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from 
the dead. And so when Yahusha is the only one left, Yahusha instructs the disciples, don't tell anyone about this transfiguration, what you've seen with Moses and Elijah until after the resurrection, okay? And this is what happened. And what was the point of this transfiguration? To confirm that for Yeshua, represented by Moses and Elijah, to be restored and to be brought back to Yahuwah, they need to recognize and accept Yahusha is the son of God. That he is the one from whom people must hear and listen. He is the central piece. He is the only way to Yahuwah. This is why without Yahusha, there's no way anyone can be reconciled to Yahuwah. It's impossible to be brought back to Yahuwah without Yahusha. Yahusha is central. And so what this tells us is the work of restoration, including the appearing of the prophet Elijah in spirit and power, the third Elijah, right? This involves the preaching of Yahusha. And so when we look at the passage, the Bible says Elijah is going to restore all things. Yahusha is looking into the future. But Elijah seems to be with someone, right? Who is he with? Moses. And so what does this suggest us, suggest to us? It suggests that when the time is coming, when it's time to restore all things, Elijah will be sent, the spirit and power of Elijah. But it could possibly be that the power and spirit of Moses might also be sent. This is why when we look at the two witnesses, Revelation 11, how are they described? Take a look. And I will give power, power, right? I mean, the, prop, the ministry of Elijah is filled with power. It, there's going to be a demonstration of his power, Yahuwah's power. And so the spirit of Elijah, the third Elijah, is going to come with power. And here in Revelation 11, there's going to be a future event which speaks of two witnesses. And I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days, three and a half years. Clothing sackcloth. What does clothing and sackcloth represent? Repentance. Isn't this what was preached by the prophet Elijah? These are the two olive trees. What do olive trees represent? That represents Yisharal. So these are descendants of Yisharal. And the two lampstands. What does the lampstand represent? That represents the assembly. Because in Revelation chapter 1, seven lampstands represent the seven assemblies, right? And so this is the, the lampstand that will be lighting the world with the teachings of Yahusha. And so these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And so these are not regular people. These are people with power. I can't do that. Fire doesn't come out of my mouth. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of the prophecy. Who did that? Prophet Elijah. And they have power over waters to turn into blood. Who did that? Moses. And to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. And so here, there's a ministry of power for the purpose of testifying Yahusha. This is why there is a link between the transfiguration in Matthew 17 
when the disciples were shown a figure of Moses and Elijah speaking with Yahusha, it seems to tell us in advance this ministry of the two witnesses involving Elijah and Moses, and they will testify to Yahusha. This is why they will die, put to death, but they will resurrect. They will enact the miracle of our king, Yahusha, and then they will ascend to heaven, just like Yahusha. So they're going to be witnesses for Yahusha in the power of Elijah. This ministry that was given to Elijah is going to be manifested when the two witnesses come. This is why I can categorically say I'm not the third Elijah, the last Elijah, or Elijah. Someone else is coming with that power. And the two witnesses and the power of Elijah, the spirit of Elijah, is going to be working with the, uh, the remnant chosen by grace, right? Because that is what they are meant to do. Why? Why would Yahuwah send two witnesses to work with the remnant chosen by grace? Because when you think about our work as a remnant, right? I mean, what really is our reach? We may be in the spirit of Elijah, but the power is not yet fully there. Because who's going to listen to us? <laughs> right? But Yahuwah, in his mercy, is going to send two powerful individuals. And they will listen to them. Many will be converted because of the preaching of these two witnesses. What these two witnesses will be working with the chosen remnant of Yahuwah. How can we recognize this chosen remnant? If we go back to Malachi, right? The third Elijah. Bible says this third Elijah, he will come with the spirit and power of Elijah. Well, what's the spirit of Elijah? Well, you know, he will do all these things. He will come during a time of apostasy. He will come right before the great day of Yahuwah. Question, when did we as a small remnant appear? Was it in 1914? No, it was during this time when the end is very near. When will this appear? When did the remnant appear? Isn't it during a time of great apostasy? A great turning away from the faith? A great betrayal of Yahuwah and his laws and commands? Right? What is the work? What is the spirit of Elijah? It is involving the restoring Israel. Where do we come from? Is it the islands of the sea? Isn't that where many of those who were scattered gathered in Israel? I mean, we gathered together beginning there, the islands of the sea, there in the Far East, where there are many who are Yisrael descended. His work involves proclaiming the name of Yahuwah. Isn't that what we did? When did we begin to do that? Isn't it at the latter parts of the ends of the earth, right? Isn't this what we did as well? What else? Did we proclaim Yahuwah as the only true Elohim? Yeah. What are we doing now? We're also present restoring. We are restoring the 10 commandments. And so I ask you, show me a remnant, a remnant chosen by grace who satisfies all of these requirements. Can you name anyone? Do you know any? A remnant who is upholding the 10 commandments, preaching the Sabbath, who is preaching the name Yahuwah, that he is the only true Elohim. They don't believe in Trinity. Right? And that appeared during time of apostasy. I don't know if anyone else, except for the assembly of 
Yahusha. And so the work that we're doing is in alignment. It's in accordance with the spirit of Elijah. And one day, not only will our work be in accordance with the spirit of Elijah, it will also be empowered by the Holy Spirit in the same way Elijah and John the Baptist were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Right now we're a small remnant. Boy, when the two witnesses come, when such power is exuded, when you feel that power, when they come, it's not going to be small that much longer. It's going to bring a lot of people who repent and they will go against the beast. Yes, they'll be put to death. But even then, there's going to be a manifestation of power. When the third Elijah comes, this is a promise. This is the work that Yahuwah has given to the two witnesses. But we are a part of it because we are in alignment. We are in the same spirit. Just like during the days of Elijah, Yahuwah set apart a remnant for himself. During the first century, Yahuwah set apart a remnant for himself. Even today, there's a remnant who calls upon the name Yahuwah. There's a remnant who will preach the Ten Commandments. There's a remnant who will fight against the apostasy that's taking place in the world today. And so because we believe we are that remnant group, what must we do? What must we do? Let's read the final passage of our studies today, the book of Zechariah 13:9. I will bring the one-third fruit of fire, will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, This is my people, and each one will say, Yahuwah is my God. Brethren, the path ahead is not easy because we all know there's going to be testing. One-third out of which the remnant will come, and then they will be tested, refined, as silver is refined. So not only are we going to come out of the fire as a remnant, the remnant will be refined. The remnant will be tested as gold is tested. And so when it becomes intense, when the persecution becomes intense, the prophecy also tells us what we're going to do. What are we going to do according to prophecy? The prophecy says, they will call on my name. Brethren, did we do this? Did we call on the name? What does the prophecy say will happen when we're going to be tested, when we're going to be refined, when we go through the fire? The Bible says they will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, Yahuwah is my Elohim. Brothers and sisters in the faith, every day let us express our thanksgiving. Let us praise Yahuwah. Let us praise Yahusha because we are right in the middle of that work. We are vessels, we are instruments of the work of restoration that will be completed soon when Yahusha, our King and Master, finally returns. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Abba, merciful Yahuwah Allahim in heaven, thank you, thank you so much for you have set apart, chosen, by grace, not because we are deserving, not because we are good or smart, but because you are compassionate and merciful and you fulfill your many promises. Because of this, you have brought us near yourself through your son, Yahushua. Thank you for calling us into the assembly of Yahushua.
thank you for we are involved in this work, the work of restoration. We want to be your instruments. Loving Abba, bless us with wisdom in the way we possess that spirit of Elijah because you have equipped us, emboldened us to praise your name, Yahuwah, despite the apostasy, despite the persecution. Thank you, Father, for giving us that courage. We will not take credit for ourselves. It's only because of you that we are able to do this. But loving Abba, we beg you, please complete the work that you have begun in us. As human beings, we are frail and weak. We stumble at times. We are prone to sin. Oh, loving Abba, preserve us and protect us from the wiles of the enemy. May you please be by our side when we call upon your name as prophesied. And when we declare that Yahuwah, you loving Abba, is our Allahim from heaven above, may you respond by giving us peace by the power of your Holy Spirit, giving us joy amidst the tribulation that we will always look up to you and place our complete hope and trust in you, our King Yahushua. Thank you so much. We know you have something in store for each one of us. Help us to be firm in our faith, to stand strong, because we lean on you, rely on you for everything that we do in our life. We beg you, loving Mashiach, may you heal those who may be sick among us. May you strengthen our faith, bless our homes and our families. When you are calling people to the kingdom, remember the people we love, that we will stand by your side when you will return to receive your promised kingdom. Amen. Father, please help us to endure until the end to be faithful and loving, obedient to your commands. We ask and beg everything loving Abba in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen.